Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Amen. Hey, I do want to tell you this, that when, when my wife Adrienne and I gave, we went home um, you know, last Sunday, and we were talking in the kitchen, and somebody flushed a toilet upstairs, and we could hear all the water it not going down the pipe, but just splashing through the walls, all right? And so suddenly then I, I had to get on the phone with the plumber and stuff. So I, I, I want to tell you this, that if you gave sacrificially and suddenly you're expecting a bald eagle to come and lay a, a golden egg, you know, on your living room couch or something, then fly off. And like, I, I want to say the enemy is going to try to do everything he can to try to steal the joy of giving and is going to try to change our minds and say, I told you if you would give, you be, you, God wouldn't take care of you. And honestly, that was trying to creep in when suddenly we had plumbing issues in our house. Um, but uh, it is not going to be successful in these days. We are, we are, our joy does not come from uh, plumbing pipes working well. Our joy comes from partnering with, our, with uh, God's heart and knowing Jesus. Amen? Amen? All right, good. Well, guys, grab your Bibles, open them today to the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 127. Um, it's a short uh, passage of scripture, and I know that today was child dedication, and, and the, the kids were precious, and the parents are precious, and I just want to say good job to everybody. Uh, I don't have an elaborate sermon planned out for you all today. I just have uh, this passage on my heart, and I just want to draw our hearts and our eyes and our attention to this passage. But here's what I really want to do today is I want to encourage our hearts towards a generation a generation of young people that keeps having the church talking about what it's not instead of what it is, that keeps having people talk about the problems of our generation instead of the potential of this generation. So if you're here and you're 25 years or younger, I just want to say we don't see you as just broken and a mess. We see you as potential-filled and that God wants this to be the greatest generation that's ever walked the face of the earth. And I just want to speak that right now. But I also want to do this is I want to encourage parents that are parenting in this generation. Because I know it is so hard to be a parent. And if you're here and you're a parent, uh, I want the narrative that the enemy is trying to speak to you to change today. And I want us to walk out with hope in our hearts that God loves our kids more than we ever could. All right. And that also that th- there is a grace on your life to rise up to the assignment of parenting your children. And God didn't make a mistake giving you your kids. All right. God is actually divinely and providentially placed you as parents over your kids. If you're a single mom, God's got you. If you're a single dad, God's got you. If you're a foster parent, God's got you. If you've got 20 kids, God. God's got you. If you've got, I, I want to tell you, if, you're, if, you, if you cannot have children, God wants to use you to be a spiritual mom or dad in a generation, and he wants to give you boatloads of spiritual children, all right? And God wants to encourage parents in this day. I, I tell you what, I remember, um, well, I, I don't remember, like, this thought goes through my head uh, regularly, and the, here's the thought, here's the narrative that the enemy is trying to plant in my heart, is that is, this goes through my head. You were a much better dad, you're a much better father when your kids were young, all right? Because now my kids, today is my daughter Lena's 10th birthday, 
all right? All of my kids are in double digits. We got Lena at 10 now. I got, we got Grace at 13, almost 14. Ethan is, is, uh, is 16 years old. So all my kids are in double digits, and I'm just learning how to be a dad here. Listen, it's part of the journey. It's part of the process. Um, God doesn't want us to get to the place where we're dependent on our, ourselves and we figured it out. He wants us to grow with our kids, right, parents? And so th- this is a time where, we're, where I am going after God and say, God, how do I parent teenagers? How do I do this? And uh, so I just want to speak to parents today that God has you and he is going to do something wonderful in you and to rise up to this occasion, uh, call your children blessed and receive grace for parenting in these days. Okay, so um, I was wondering though, would you all love to hear um, how I became a parent? All right, you want to hear this? Because this is a story that's really, really crazy, all right? Um, my wife was, uh, my, well, that didn't come out right, but the, uh, <laughs> my wife was pregnant with my son, uh, Ethan, and she was three, about three and a half weeks, four weeks away uh, from her due date, and, um, and my dad was in Florida struggling with, um, uh, with strokes that, were, that was taking his sight, all right. If you, if you know my dad, my dad's uh, partially blind in his right eye now. All right. So anyway, we didn't know if all the lights were going to go out, if he was not going to be able to see again, or if it was going to be partial. We didn't know what was happening. But my brother Philip and I jumped on a plane and went down to Florida just to be with my dad for a few days. I'll never forget the night before I left to go to Florida. My wife was like, Nathan, I don't feel good about this. I'm four weeks pregnant or three and a half weeks pregnant. I'm just not sure that you should go. I was like, oh, Adrian, stop with all this faithless, blah, 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 right? I'm just going to go down. I'm going to be with my dad. You're going to be fine. We've got four weeks. Trust the doctors, all right? And so Adrian was like, okay. She gave me uh, her blessing. When we went to Florida, uh, we were down there with our dad, loving on him. But I got a call from my wife, and I will never forget this call. The call was, my water broke. All right. I'm in Florida. Now, let me tell you this, though, that the the call came about five minutes after we heard that Florida was being hit with a hurricane. It was about to be hit with a hurricane that was coming up the West Coast. So what was happening is my dad is in the Fort Myers, Cape Coral area. Um, You know, it's about two hours or so from Miami. And so uh, the hurricane was coming into Miami. And what was happening is airports are going to be closing as uh, the hurricane w- was going. And so this is before, um, before Providence. We were in a relationship at Providence with Mark Stockland. But Mark Stockland was in Florida. This is one of the first times I ever met him. And, and he, he called me some weird name. And he said, I'll drive you guys up to Tampa. And he set land speed records in his truck. He drove us across bridges that were literally closing behind us. And he got my brother Philip and I to the airport. And we took the first flight out on that Friday morning. Uh, or, or whatever that morning was. My wife was already in labor in Gettysburg. Her dad was there. Uh, her mom was there. They were calling me to see where I was. Um, and uh, this is before we had a cell phone, all right? And I remember Philip and I got to the, uh, the airport at BWI, and I was driving an old Toyota Camry that had, like, no suspension, so it, it, it bounced like this. And I remember I just told Jesus, I'm sure you'll forgive me for this one. And I drove like a wild 
crazed man to Gettysburg Hospital through stoplights, through stop signs, over animals, all kind of bouncing all the way. I just didn't care. Uh, people were like yelling and beating at me. I was like, my, my son's being born. Get off my back. And so I was just driving. I was breaking all the laws with joy in my heart. And I felt like Jesus was like this. I don't know why. I was just like, that's good, son. All right, I get to the hospital. Adrian, you guys need to know what a powerful woman that she is. Adrian just told herself that this baby is not coming till I get there. She's already been in labor for about 20 hours. She just said, this baby's not coming till dad's here. And then I got there. I remember I walked out. Adrian is doing laps in the hall. Um, and uh, when I got there, she started going into labor again. And uh, it was wild. I never was in for that. I thought it was going to be cute. I thought we were going to hold a baby. It was, I, the, oh, it was just like I didn't know we were going to hold an alien. Like, oh, what happened to the head? Uh, it was just like, whoa, there's blood everywhere. It was just like, oh, my gosh. I remember I was standing there, and I'm holding her hand. Adrian loves when she's in pain to dig her nails into my hand like this. And so, but I was just like, just do it. Just do it. I, you know, you deserve that. And I remember, I remember after this, this wild delivery, they take my son, they put him under this light thing where they weigh him and measure him. I remember one glance at my boy completely changed my life. Because I, I, went, I went from being a, a, a husband to also being a dad. Completely changed my life. Heart captured everything that I have, I give, like it's, there's, my heart was completely captivated by this new little person. I remember, and you think that you, you think that this child took so much love, there's no way I have any left for the other ones, but that's not true. That next baby number two comes, same thing, wham, gone. Somehow there's a capacity, baby number three, wham, pom, gone. Somehow there's this capacity to, to give on a supernatural level, and that's parenting, and then you walk with these children. So, so so anyway, I want to tell you this, though, that parenting is not easy, and I, I want to go to a passage here that is going to encourage parents with, with really seeing what is on God's heart. What is on God's heart for your kids? What is on God's heart for you as a parent? I want us to read this. It is Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5, and it says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city... The watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. We're actually going to talk about that because I feel like we, we skim right over that, especially in our culture that says, you know, you know burn the midnight oil, go, go, go. Nobody, you know, nobody's successful who sleeps. And that's actually uh, a worldly thought, not a kingdom one. Just want to say that real, real briefly. But let's look at verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blesses the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now I want to ask you, just from this passage, we're going to dig in here just for a moment, but I just want to ask you, what is on God's heart? Have you ever thought about that? For, for you as a parent, for, for your children, but just for your life in general, do you ever step back and say, hey, God, there's lots of things that I could be doing now. There's lots of opportunities that I, I could walk in. There's a lot of open doors that I could walk through. There's, there's, there's space for me to make some decisions here. 
but I don't want to take another step unless it's according to your heart. All right? That's actually how you make decisions in the kingdom is you say, God, I want to partner with your heart. I don't want to do this. And here's how the world would, would encourage us to do it. We do whatever we want to do, and then we get angry at God when he doesn't bless it. All right? That is actually not how you do stuff. That's how many of us do. There's an opportunity we run through. We don't pray about it. If there's an open door, well, of course God wants me to do this because I just want to encourage us parents, I want to encourage us as Jesus followers to stop and before we ever do anything, we say, God, what's on your heart here? Just because it's opportunity doesn't mean it's that you're on it or in it or even care about it. I just want to do what's in line with your heart. Because many times we find that we're building stuff and paying attention to stuff that God just doesn't care about or hasn't prioritized. Maybe he does, but maybe that's not a specific assignment that he has for you. In Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5, especially verses 1 through 2, just draw this out. I want to read this again. Listen, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, when you're really looking at this, there's a lot of things that you can delve into theologically there. But basically what it's saying, hey, is if God's not on it and you're building it, it's all for nothing. You can stay up all night and you can watch the thing that you've given your heart to. And if God's not on it, it, it it's, it's not going to do anything. It's all for nothing. And so many of us, this is, this is what we do. We, we're building a house, so to speak, or we're building a life, so to speak. God is a distant thought. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe we attend church here and there, but he's really not the central part of our life. And we decide that we're going to build this thing. And God is saying, I was never in it, on it, around it, or even cared about it, and it is all in vain. Or, or we say, hey, well, I'm not even going to sleep. I'm going to give so much care and dedication to this one thing. But it's not, listen, what builds your life is not your sleepless nights. What builds your life is not your attention to something. What builds your life is not your skill in building whatever it is that you're building or watching. What, what builds your life is not the price that you pay for stuff, all right? What builds your life is, did you partner your life with God's? Did you partner your, your life with God's? Now, I'm going to jump ahead of myself a little bit, but the reason that I'm saying this is many of us, we're watching, we're watching over stuff and we're building stuff that we say is for our kids, but it's actually for ourselves. We never had a dad to tell us we're a man, so we're actually busy and, and up all night watching over stuff that makes us feel like a man. Or we don't feel significant as a mom. Or we this, you fill in the blank. But we're actually doing stuff. We get ourselves off the hook because we're so busy. We don't have time for the family that we're supposedly doing all of this for. And God's like, that's not how you build a family. That's not how you build a life. You don't ignore your family. They make them feel bad when they say, Dad, I just wanted to be with you. And you say, oh, I'm doing all this stuff for you. That's not how it works, guys. Your kids don't need a, uh, a paycheck or a meal on the table. They don't need you to bring home the bacon if it means that they can't have you. See? So you can, you can build your house. And if God's not on it, it's in vain. And you can watch your life. And if God's not in it, if he hasn't called you to do that, it doesn't matter what sacrifices you've made. It is in vain. All right? All the close attention and hard effort in the world will not do a thing unless God is in it. The real question is, God, are you in this? God, do you want this? God, is this a God idea? Is this a God dream? Or is this just an opportunity? There's going to be lots of opportunities that are actually going to take us away from God's heart. This has to be a God thing in our lives. 
maximizing time, living a life. Listen to this, and here's what, here's what happens, and here's the life that many of us know. Listen to, the, look, listen to verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Listen to this. Let me read that again. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Man, I've been following some entrepreneurs' uh, reels on social media, and all of them say, if you're not up by five, you're an idiot. All of them say, work on Christmas. All of them say, you know, work, 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 all right? And I guess, and to a certain extent, practically speaking, if you just want to be rich in the world standards, I guess you can get rich that way and you can build a house and you can watch a city, but it's your house and it's your city and it's not God's, so it's as small as your heart. But God says that it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Well, why is he saying this? He, he's saying, he's, if you get up early and you go late to rest, he said, building your way and not my way, you're just going to build something that is not going to last. Listen, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Listen, eating the bread of anxious toil. Now stop right there. Here's what, here's what is driving a life that is not being built after God's heart that is not being built with Jesus as the treasure and as the, as the center of your life. It's the wind in your sails is not the Holy Spirit. The wind in your sails is not passion for your family. The, the wind in your sails is toil, stress, and anxiety. So eating the bread of anxious toil just means this. What's sustaining you is your own effort, your own striving, your own toil, your own stuff. That is the wind in your sails. So that is one determining factor. God, how do I know that I'm going after your heart? Well, if what is sustaining you is you're up in the morning because you're, you're worried and you're up late at night because you're toiling, that, that the, the fuel of your life is, is stress and toil. You're working extremely hard, or toil is working extremely hard or incessantly. You're toiling, you're toiling, you're toiling, but you feel like you're doing it all on your own, and you take two steps forward, and it's two and a half steps back, and I just can't get ahead, and I'm toiling, and I'm toiling, and I'm toiling, and that is, that is actually not how God calls us to build, to watch over our lives, to watch over uh, things on his heart. I want to tell you the, the ways that God calls us to build. There's two things that he actually cares about. These are foundational to our building and to our living and to our watching and, and to our rising and going uh, to sleep at night. Here's the first thing is God is really, really important. Uh, what is really important to God is, is sleep. What's really important to God is rest. Just, I, I just want you to hear this. I want you to hear this from a, from a pastor, all right? Your sleep really matters to God. We live in a world where everybody is knocking rest. Everybody, it actually, if you, if you rest well, people doubt you and distrust you. All right? It's the people that are ruining their families, working really hard, that somehow get the props and the respect. All right? Instead of the people that are saying no to opportunities so their son's heart can be full. All right? Now, I'm not talking about being lazy. There's a time to work, but there's a time to rest. I'm saying that we, that we work when it's time to rest. That's what I'm saying. And that is not kingdom. That's toil. You, here's, here's what lazy, uh, laziness is not, uh, or uh, let me say it this way. It's the kingdom that you work when it's time to work. And then you work hard. And you hammer it. And you're efficient. 
and you use the right tools, and you get it done. But there's a time to rest, and if you're working when it's time to rest, something is going to go haywire with your life. And God has actually, this is a a biblical word called Sabbath. Now, I don't necessarily mean the Old Testament version of Sabbath. So many people get bent out of shape when we talk about Sabbath. When I'm talking about Sabbath, I'm talking about the, the kingdom principle that God has actually built into how the whole world operates. Do you know that there is Sabbath in every day? Do you know this? It's called nighttime. God didn't, God didn't make the world work, so it's, it's light 24-7. He actually worked rest into the day. And God actually worked rest into the week. He modeled it. He, he created the world in six days. And I, I'm a person that believes it was six literal days. Okay? Um, I'll, I'll go crazy if I try to read stuff that I don't see in the Bible. Oh, God actually means by, I've always found that that just kind of leads to confusing things and arguments. If the Bible says that the, the earth was created in six days, I'm like, six days, all right? We can disagree on that one. Wow, it feels, it feels bad in here suddenly. <laughs> But when he, he used six days to, to create, and on the seventh day, he rested, okay? Well, that is the word for Sabbath. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rest because he wanted to give us a gift, and he wanted to model what that looks like. It's called Sabbath, all right? Now, we work 24-7. We work night and day. We, we work seven days a week, and we don't know what it is to unplug without a device and just rest in God. But these are days where he wants to teach us that, and everything hangs on it and depends on it. Do you know that when you decide not to Sabbath or you decide to not get enough sleep, you decide not to take a day off, and I don't mean just a day off, I mean a day to rest with God, and and we we decide to blow past God's model of Sabbath, and we probably need to talk more about Sabbath in the the days to come, but when we decide to do all of that, here's what we're communicating to God, and here's what we're communicating to ourselves, is that I can do better with this time than God can, all right? It's just like money. When we decide not to tithe, when we decide not to operate in generosity, we're believing a lie that somehow I can do better with this than God can, all right? And so really, Sabbath is tithing our time, saying, God, I, it's not that, Sabbath is not that, hey, I got everything done so I can rest. Here's what Sabbath is. There's always gonna be something to do, And I'm deciding that there's a time in the day, whether it's 10 o'clock for you or 8 o'clock for you, there's a time in the day where I'm just going to stop and I'm going to sleep like a baby because I'm trusting that God has me and he can do more while I sleep than I can when I'm awake. All right? So you see that God built Sabbath into creation. He even says in the book of Mark chapter 2 that Sabbath was given as a gift to us. We weren't given to the Sabbath. So we're not a slave to the Sabbath. Sabbath is a tool for us. It's supposed to serve us as a day to do what fills our tanks, as a day that, that we're just supposed to get blessed in because here is God's idea for your parenting and your living and your building and your watching and whatever you do. Here's God's plan. is, is not that you would work for rest, but you would work from it. So I get full and then I rest out of the, out of the, the, the joy that I've gained in Jesus. All right? So I'm not working so I can go on a vacation. I'm going on a vacation so I can work. Do you see that? Agriculturally, 
Um, if you use a field too much with the, with the same crops, it robs all the nutrients out of the soil. You need to give it a rest year or a Sabbath year so it can regain stuff. Guys, God has worked this even into how uh, agriculturally in, in, the, in the soil that we, that we walk on, how that operates. So God wants us full and overflowing, not living on fumes and then spiritualizing it. All right. I don't know why it looks more holy to be like stressed, busy, and exhausted, <laughs> but instead of full and happy and joyous. Like th- there is an efficiency that God wants to do in our hearts as we tr- entrust our time to God and work when it's time to work and rest when it's time to rest. So uh, I already said this, but Sabbath is not rest when all the work is finished. Listen, there's always going to be something to do, isn't there? All right, but Sabbath is trusting God with what did not get done that day and resting in him. It's so important. I don't know if you've studied revival in, uh, at all, but one of my favorite revivals in history was the early 1900s, the Welsh Revival. It lasted about two years. It was led by a guy named Evan Roberts. It was pure Holy Spirit outpouring. There's no need for, for uh, a, a police department anymore. In fact, the, the police... Uh, we're actually forming uh, singing quartets uh, to minister at the revival meetings. Um, there was no crime in uh, this, uh, this town in Wales. 150,000 salvations in one year were documented, all right? Um, and it, I don't know if you know the song, uh, Here is Love, but it's, it's a song that came out of the Welsh revival. One of the lines in it is this, grace and love like mighty rivers Poured incessant from above, heaven's peace and perfect kindness kissed a guilty world in love. Now, they, they wrote this song just to try to capture what God was doing in Wales in the early 1900s during this revival. God was completely transforming hearts and the whole community as a result, all right? Now, Evan Roberts was at the helm of this thing, and there's a quote, if you study his life, uh, there's a quote that says this, Roberts' greatest weakness was his white-hot intensity. He simply could not bring himself to take seasons of rest and refreshment, all right? That's how Evan Roberts is described, all right? This, so barely no sleep, nonstop work, all led to a nervous breakdown in Evan Roberts' lives, and he never recovered from it, all right? So we got Evan Roberts in, in, his, in his revival fire for barely two years because the man didn't operate in rest, all right? And so, listen, let, let me tell you this. Parents, young people, everybody, God's heart for you is that you would, you would run the full race of your life, that you would, you would be operating in a rhythm of your life so you're so full and so refreshed now that you're going to be like a 101-year-old grandma or granddad one day and that you're still going to have something to give, all right? You're going to be food overflowing. This, this whole thing, like, shorten your life. And so it's like, a, a, listen, I want lives. Like, I want to be 101 years old, just like blessing people and full, full of the Spirit. Excited about a generation, not, not bitter and angry because I stressed my whole life out. And this is what the world will do. It will it'll suck us into this. And unfortunately, what it will do is it will pull us into this as parents. So we begin toiling for our children instead of operating in grace for them. So our children start stressing us out instead of us believing that this is my inheritance from the Lord. So we, we start operating in frustration 
instead of seeing our kids as potential-filled world changers and operating from that place. Now, I know how easy it is to say and to preach and how hard it is to live, but I'm telling you, living this is possible. All right, because when you look at what God's into, is God's into your rest. He's into you sleeping, right? He says that right here. He gives to his beloved sleep. In other words, he wants you to rest, not toil. He, he's got this for you. Go to sleep. Some of you, the best thing that you can do as parents is get babysitters. Don't go out to eat. Take a good nap. Sleep for 12 hours, all right? Do that. But here's the other thing that God is into. He's into you being full of him and resting well, but God is really into your kids. I would say this, he's into your kids more than you are as parents. Just, just believe that for a moment. If, you're, if you've got a prodigal in your house, God loves that prodigal more than you do. If, if you have someone, in, uh, if you've got a child in your life that, you, that, you're, that you're concerned for, that you don't know what to do, listen, God, God is, he's like a racehorse getting ready. He just wants to run after that kid. Don't, never doubt that, that God wants to go after your kids at least seven zillion times more than you do. He, there is, there is a, a steadfast love that he has for your kids that even as a parent, you can't have. He's got it for them. Listen, uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would, you would turn your heart loose on a generation of kids, that they would sense your heart. Lord, I, 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 just, uh, I just think that so many kids are looking at their parents' uh, mistakes and shortcomings and are not being introduced with this reckless, wild love of God for them. All right, that parents are supposed to be a, con a conduit of. But God loves your kids. Listen to this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb or reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Once you see this, that your, ch that your children are your inheritance. Parents. That's what heritage means. It means that they're God's gift to you. God's gift to you. They are your inheritance. Then verse 4 uh, God also says this, that God's design for driving back the darkness in a generation is parents that instead of shielding their kids from the world, actually disciple their kids in Jesus and then shoot them like a warrior into the darkness. All right? So instead of like, oh, we, we can't let the kids see bad people and bad things. Listen, they're going to. You can't shield them long enough. You, you have to prepare them. See, they're full of the Holy Spirit fire and then, then cock that back and release this is, this is how the world gets changed. It's not, it's not like, this is why, one of the reasons why we, you know, and I'm not against Christian schools. I like them, and I'm considering one for my, my kids, honestly, all right? Especially one of my kids. But, but the, I, I want to make sure that we have a culture here that we realize that the 72 acres of land that God gave us in this facility is not so we can hide from the world, all right? So this is, this is not our ark, all right? This is not some holy bubble where we just enjoy ourselves. This is a, this is a, a divine strategy straight staging environment where we get catapulted and launched back into the darkest places. All right? That, that's what this is. And we have to have, we, we've lost that. We've lost that, guys. The, the Moravians used to train their kids, and their kids didn't have, they were learning trades, but they had an understanding that I'm learning this trade because when I am sent to, when I am sent, not if, when I'm sent to the nations, I might need to use this. All right? We've completely lost that we're missionaries in a dark world, that, that the light of Jesus is in us. So we are now the, the light of Jesus to the darkness. And our kids are just kind of get this kind of thing from us where we're hiding them instead of launching them. And our kids need a mission, guys. Our, we need to drop our kids off at school, and we need to remind them, you are God's answer to the darkness in this school. We need to drop our kids off at, at you know, even 
roller rinks. Do they still have roller rinks? Uh, and say, listen, any problem that happens, you are God's answer because you are walking into this environment. You are not an accident. You are on purpose. You are in God's heart before time began. And God wants you and he wants to use you in a generation. So you are going to be used to drive back the darkness no matter how obsessed we are with social media, no matter how, how drugged we are with iPads, doesn't matter. Does not matter. God is bigger than iPads. God is bigger than social media. And the spirit wants to break out on a generation. I just feel it so strongly. I really believe that the days are coming that the tribe's youth ministry is gonna have to meet in here because of the hundreds of kids coming to Jesus because your kids were actually shot into the darkness instead of hidden from it, all right? I just, man, I, I, I really, really believe this. And so what I, what I wanna encourage you to do is I wanna encourage you, parents, to uh, build your kids up in such a way that, you, that there's space in your building of them that they catch your heart, and that's going to take your time. That means you're, you're not going to be able to say yes to every opportunity to make money. You're going to have to say yes to the opportunities to connect hearts with your children, all right? And if we're going if, if to reach anyone this year as a church, I want it to be children and youth and young adults. Gen Z is 25 years old and below. And those are the people that have my heart right now. Just want to say, God, if, if, we had to, if we had to reach anybody this year, I would say we're going to reach Gen Z and we're going to do it with intentionality. We're, it's not going to be word deep. We're going we're to reorganize around this. And we've been working hard on it. Um, I, uh, I was at Urban Air last night. I don't know, don't know if you know that, but it's a, um, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's like an indoor park where they strap you to, you know, they harness you and you, they strap you to the ceiling and you do all these kind of ropes type courses above and then there's go-karts and there's all this stuff. It's, I don't know, a germ factory uh, money. There, you know, sure, money laundering is happening. It's just all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, the pizza reminds me of Chuck E. Cheese. I think it, it might be, honestly. Uh, they just uh, brought it in as that old. But it's, 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 it's a, a wild place, but you go there to bless your kids. I went there to bless my daughter for her birthday party last night, and she got on this, uh, this ropes course thing. She was so excited to do it, but once she actually got up there and got into it, she found out this is way harder than it looks. From the ground, it looks like, wow, I can't wait to experience that, but when you get up in it, it's, man, that is the hard thing. I remember Lena got to the place, and I was videotaping it, and Adrian and I were standing right here, and she gets to the place where she just had, she just had to say, I can't do this anymore. I need to get down. Well, some, some lady starts coming for Lena, and we thought that that was someone that worked there, but it wasn't. It was, it was a teenage girl that just baby basically blew past her. So all of our hope was gone now. And so we, we realized, Lena, you have to finish this. You've set out on this course. Listen, girl, listen. You have, she's nine years old yesterday, 10 years old today. You have to finish this race. It's not going to be easy. And I know that you're scared, but you're going to have to finish this race. So Lena, Lena decided, I'm just going to take the next step. And she did it. And we, it, it took her 20 minutes. But man, she went around that thing and she, she got off with joy in her heart. The first thing that she said was to one of the workers, she goes like, man, I'm glad to be off of that ride. She came down. We cried together. All right. And we did. But, but she did it. Guys, I want to tell you, listen, I want to tell you, generation, I want to speak to a generation right now that, that God has more in you just because it's hard. Don't let your life, don't let your heart gravitate towards ease. 
He's got more. You have to do hard things. He's got more for you. It's not going to be an easy ride. You're going to have to lay down your lives, but it's going to be worth it in the end. And there may be tears, but there will be joy with Jesus, I promise. And we have to raise up a generation that sees this. And I was thinking about this. Here's a word to parents. I was thinking about how I messed with my parents' heart as a kid, and it wasn't through rebellion. I actually, God got a hold of my heart at seven years old. I was never the same. Dated one person, that's my wife. Like, never smoked a cigarette, never did a drug. Never, never, I've never been drunk before in my life. A little tipsy on a Haiti Bible mission thing, but I'll tell you about that later. It was, uh, but uh, I, I, I thought I was drinking I thought I was drinking apple juice, and I, I pounded a hold, not apple juice, but it, I was fine. I was fine, but I'm t- I didn't have this wild rebel face. My problem was I was sick all the time. You notice I don't have glasses on today, all right? The enemies just always tried to, tried to get me, but I was always in the hospital with asthma, and I remember I woke up as a, like a four-year-old, and um, I couldn't breathe. And my parents had to rush me to the hospital, and we literally didn't know. I was only four years old, but I still remember this memory, and we literally didn't know if I was going to make it. I remember they, they turned on the radio, and I remember sitting in the back of this yellow station wagon, and the Holy Spirit entering into that moment. <laughs> like, as a kid, I, I, I remember this. It was tangible, guys. And there's a song written by Scott Wesley Brown called He Will Carry You. And, and it says, there is no trial too big. He cannot solve it. If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my brother, that he will carry you. And it's like, it was like I was healed. And I get to the, the hospital, and I, I was on the verge here, and we get to the hospital, and I can breathe. And I remember my parents being like, what is going on here? The middle of the night, we've got to do this. I don't know, what parent, what stress or what toil or what strain the enemy is, has been trying to attack you with. Maybe it's the strain of a prodigal that wants nothing to do with Jesus. Maybe it's that your kids have ear infections nonstop. Maybe it's that you can't financially provide for your kids. Maybe it's that you feel like you don't have the wisdom to know what to do. Maybe they need to talk, and, and you're, you're a whole horrible communicator. I don't know what it is, but here's what I do know is that there is a grace for you to parent the children that God gave you. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that God did not make a mistake when he gave you the children that he gave you. And children, listen, God divinely picked your parents. All right. Don't complain about your parents. Don't complain about your mom. All right. Listen, God picked them for you. He's got, he's, he knows what he's doing. And parents, I just want to tell you this day that there is grace to be had to parent your kids well. So here's what I'd like to do right now. I'd, I want to say this. If, if you were a, uh, uh, a young person, 25 years and, and younger, and, and you want uh, just a, a fresh touch from God on your heart today to walk in your generation uh, like an arrow shot into the darkness, All right, I just want you to tell that you can just raise your hand. You can stand to your feet if you want. You can get on your knees. I don't care how you respond. You can open your hands in receiving posture. But if you are a young person today and just want to tell God, God, I want to be used in my generation to do great and mighty things. I just want you to tell that to God today. And if you're older than that, I just want you, this is not every head bowed and every eye closed kind of thing. I want you to look around. If there's a young person by you, I just want you to put your hand on their head or their shoulder, and just just begin to pray, begin to call down the greatest blessings on them right now. God, touch these these young people. God, change narratives. Let us walk in truth. God, all the trauma, all the things that they face, God. 
Uh, God, just deliver them and heal them, I pray. God, speak, speak new destiny over their life. Speak new calling over their life. God, just even right now, place a calling for their lives, how they're going to impact the nations, how they're going to impact their neighborhoods, how they're going to bring blessing to their homes and to their schools, to their workplace, God. I pray that you encourage hearts here. I touch them, touch them. Lord, I just pray for a, a fresh move of your spirit, that this wouldn't be done out of effort, God, but this would be a Holy Spirit wind in our sails, just a, just a, a filling to overflowing by the Holy Spirit in these days, a genuine Jesus movement and generation. And then if you're a parent here and you just need God's touch on your life and you're, you're desperate enough to say it, I just wanted to actually, if you're a parent here, could you just stand to your feet today and you need this? Why don't you just have parents just stand? You, you have to stand in a generation. You might as well do it here. And I just want you to just do the same thing. Just I want you to, if, if, if you're not staying right now, I just want you to find somebody right now and just put your hands on them and just be, begin to call down blessing on them. But Heavenly Father, I, I just pray just over all of us right now, God, I just pray, Lord, that, that the, the narrative would change, that the lies that parents have adopted as true narratives or discouraging narratives, God, that they would change and that you would begin to speak your truth into parents, that, that these men and women have what it takes to parent their children well. Lord, I pray for the most encouragement from the inside out that a parent could possibly have. I pray they would get it right now. God, I pray that, that, uh, that moms and dads that just feel like their family would be better if they were just not in the picture. God, I pray, I, I call that out as a lie and I declare it's the opposite that is true, that you want to do something with their presence in their family, God, that the enemy is very afraid of, God. So we just pray today, God, that you would touch families, that you would touch moms, God, that there wouldn't be toiling and strife, that you would give moms, I, I pray, a supernatural ability to rest and to sleep for moms. And I pray for dads, that they would stop building kingdoms that are not of your heart, and they would begin to build their children, God, and that you teach us how to do that in these days. But Lord, just fill us today. Fill us today, I pray. God, bless parents. And then as a church, God, Lord, I just pray that you would minister to this church, that this would be a house of champions. Moms and dads, spiritually speaking, that would care for the next generation, not complaining, but, but, uh, but speaking destiny into the hearts of this generation, God. Uh, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, specifically, I pray for a treasuring, treasuring of Jesus over social media. I pray for a treasuring of Jesus over digital entertainment. I just pray that that would be broken, God. It would be a tool, but it would not be our obsession, that we could use it without it having our hearts, God. I pray that, it, that social media and our smartphones would not be the center of our life and our first waking thought. I pray that the days would come where you're moving by your spirit so much, God, that Jesus, we say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Jesus, that we want to run to you before we ever touch a device, God. I just pray that, that you would move that and you would break chemical dependency and that you would break digital dependency and that you would touch hearts that we want you more than anything else, God. I pray that right now and that you would release grace and power to walk this out, God. We just bless you this day. We bless you, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.